This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 67 of Real Blend, a podcast that's in the blend game now. Yes. I just want to say oh, Kevin God. wrote that one for us. Thank you. He wanted he wants us to use that one. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connell. I am the managing director here at Cinema Blend. Uh, and this is episode 67 of Real Blend. Guys, this is a special one. Uh, in much the same way that Joe and Anthony Russo recorded two episodes uh, of their Avengers trilogy or conclusion in Infinity War and Endgame, we're going to try to fit two episodes in uh, because we have something very special to tease. But before we get to that, of course, I have to introduce... Uh, the power couple that joins me every single week here at Real Blend, starting with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, how are you, sir? I, you know, right now, have you ever seen that that gif of Conan O'Brien outside of a window? And he's got like his hand up on the window and people <laughs> always use it whenever they're left out of something. I, yes. I am a physical manifestation of that, of that gif today. That's, <sighs> that's, what, that's what I felt like. Is Conan for, O'Brien outside the window with my hand just up on the window alone? Yes. For this for this reason, uh, if you guys could see us, if we were recording the video aspect that we used to do, uh, I am in the house of uh, Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 DC. Kevin, how are you, sir? Good, good uh, afternoon, Sean. And I know you're right below my yes. feet right now. Sean and I are on two <laughs> different levels of my house. Sean's he in means the basement. that metaphorically. Yeah. Yes. Sean, Sean is in the basement. Standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> yeah. So Sean's in the basement. I am uh, upstairs and uh, Sean is in town and we're going to get to why. But Sean was alluding to something because, you know, the Rooster Brothers did shoot the majority of Endgame and Infinity War back to back. Uh, yes. you know, and, and so we are doing a similar thing by design uh, because, and Sean, we'll, we'll get into more detail, but we have a non-spoiler interview with the Russo brothers and then a spoiler interview with the Russo brothers. So the non-spoiler portion is going to be in the one you're listening to now. And then on Monday, you're going to hear some of the coolest stories you've ever heard uh, that Sean and I are still. I, I got to say, they just told out. me one of the spoiler stories and I got chills listening <laughs> to it. So I, I have, I have yet to, as of this recording, I've yet to hear the interview yet, but they just told me one little snippet and uh, I genuinely think this might be one of the most exciting things that Real Blend's ever done. And I also want to say, part of it. I want to say this is so really like the Russo brothers were coming to Washington D.C. because we're going to watch Endgame uh, this evening at the IMAX screen at the Smithsonian. It's a theater that they really love. The presentation is unbelievable. Kevin's always been uh, telling me about that screen. I went and saw The Force Awakens uh, on that screen at his recommendation. I can't wait to see Endgame again. They were coming by his station. They were going to be coming by Fox Five. And I have to just say, I, I cannot thank them enough. I can't thank Disney enough for when Kevin said, look, can we also just do some time for our podcast? And they were they were so gracious enough to actually do it. Uh, we'll get into the full story uh, about how it played out. Uh, and then, of course, we'll play the, the interview later. But yes, we will have Joe and Anthony Russo on The Real Blend. Like, I, I need to just say that out loud because I can't believe it's a thing that's happening. We're going to have Joe yeah. and Anthony Russo on The Real Blend podcast the week after the biggest movie. Um, of Remember when this was just a limited podcast that we were only going to do for eight weeks, like <laughs> yeah. like like almost two years ago. Remember when we were there? 
Yeah. What's crazy to me is like like Sean. So Sean being the awesome person that he is, literally flew uh, to DC to go to the screening tonight and be a part of the interview. And you know, for people who might not know how it works, like like essentially, you know, they 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 come to a town, they do some interviews. And they were nice enough to set aside some time for us to do uh, a sit down with them um, in the past. And and it was pretty amazing because they showed up and we knocked it out. And the cool thing about it was, and, and I believe this was the tr- this is what I was told, we were the first interview they've done on a spoiler level um, with the Russos. So essentially, like the reason why we're holding the spoiler review till, um, until Monday is we want to give obviously one more weekend, but we're going to, the stuff you're going to hear in this Monday interview is out of this world, but the stuff you're going to hear today in this particular interview, the non-spoiler interview is still amazing. Like they, but I, I'm very fascinated. It's almost like the tonal shift of infinity war and Endgame, right? Uh, they're, they're, they're very different tones. Uh, these interviews, I'm very excited. Like I'm, I'm so excited. We have two parts and they were cool enough to let us do two parts, which was cool. They really were. All right. So um, before we move on uh, with the full show, so we don't have any reviews, but I want to remind anybody if you would like to leave a review for the show. So on the iTunes account, uh, and and I also understand, like I talk about the iTunes account a lot, but there's so many other ways that people listen to the podcast. They don't go to the Apple iTunes uh, player. So, but on that account, which I still use as like our barometer uh, of how many people are watching us, we're very close to 100 star ratings. We have 94 star ratings, uh, 51 reviews. Um, Someone did... Post one. Hold on. Am I able to pull it up really fast? I didn't get it, um, but I'll read it. Hold on. I can find it. Ratings. By the way, I just got I just got a text that are uh, the Q and A tonight. So the the, the uh, while Sean's looking for that, uh, I'm moderating the Q and A with the Rooster Brothers after their seven o'clock movie. And I, I, I thank you to whoever at Disney uh, gave me the opportunity to do this, but I'm going to be moderating with them after the film's over. They're going to come out and do a Q&A with the audience. And I just got told that it was sold out. So, like, it's, 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 it's going to be crazy. Like, I'm like, really, awesome. really looking forward to it. But what's cool is it it's sold out because of Kevin McCarthy. No, it's not yeah, because of me. It's because of the movie. Dude, the movie's in its first week. It has nothing to do I with me. I can't wait, Jakey. Ah, I want to, Jakey, ah, I want to see how many this people. This movie's going to dip in the second weekend. <laughs> yeah, I want to see how many people at this screening just come up to talk to our boy, DDK. Like, well, I can I w- sit there and watch. It's going to be great. I will say, like, they, they, because I didn't announce that we were doing the screening until yesterday. So it wasn't sold out then. But the cool part about it was the, they were, they, they let us announce it this morning with the Russos during the live TV interview. And I think that's kind of what put it over the, uh, edge. can we just also talk about the fact that it's really cool that they're doing press like this after the movie. Like if I were a director and I worked my butt off for years making these movies and it opened and it was massive, I would be sitting on a beach yep. with a drink in my hand, enjoying the moment. But the fact that they're still out here Shaking hands with the fans, talking about the food, the film, embracing this this what is I think no short of a cultural phenomenon right now yeah. is uh, I think a, a real a real testament to them, and I can't well, honestly I, say that I'd be doing it. I think a big part of it is that they are not able to talk about it. They don't do you know the full junket press push before the movie opens. So uh, Anthony was saying today, you know, Anthony, as I was talking to Anthony Russo today, yeah, uh, yeah. was saying like, that like one it's, does. Yeah. it's cathartic to them. Like now that 
they've been waiting for three years for the story to be out, you know, fully. And they they, they are excited about going out and talking to people now that they can get into details and really start to, to share some stuff. So and I, uh, I do want to say that if you are listening to the podcast today, there are two yeah. major things we're going to get into for teasing purposes. Uh, Sean and I, uh, this particular time around, are both on the same um, mindset in regards to both Infinity War, I'm sorry, Endgame, and the latest Game of Thrones episode. Um, yeah, Jake, we are hive mind. Jake is on the opposite end on Game of Thrones, middle end, I guess, in regards to Endgame. So this is going to be a bit of a combative episode, and I, and, and I want to commend Jake for his tweet today, pre, pre-war, um, uh, just saying that he loved us, and he, uh, and, but I, I do want to make sure that Jake has the opportunity today yes. to delve into his thoughts on both of these. We will talk Game of Thrones spoilers because that to me is yes. that we can talk, discuss that. But the infinity, the end game stuff in regards to spoilers, that will be for next Monday. Okay, I want to read this review quick, and I finally figured out what this guy is talking about. And it's the way that he spelled the word favorite means that he's from the UK. Uh, so he calls us favorite movie podcast, gave us five stars on Apple, which is so great. Thank you so much. The guys are great. Even if they haven't seen the best movie of all time yet. Bi- oh, bi- Big Wednesday. That's what, is it the surfer movie? Oh, is yeah. That the surfer movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He That's came to up. I thought he was saying like he had a Big Wednesday coming up. But no, no, no. This is the guy who came to the meetup and, and talks about a surfer movie, Big Wednesday. All right, I'm totally confused. And now I understand what's going on. Okay. Anyway, you can leave us a review at the iTunes page. You can go to uh, the Real Blend Twitter account or you can email us at realblend at cinemablend.com of course we love hearing from you guys and if you send us a review we promise to read it at the top of the show um before we get into game of thrones debates uh which will tear the show in half uh let's get to the end game box office and just go on record to talk about the sheer number of records that were shattered by this movie um the one that stands out to me obviously is 1.2 billion globally in five days. Um, and when you compare it to the previous record holder, which was Infinity War, and needed 11 days to cross the 1 billion mark, the fact that this one did it in half the time is staggering to me. Now, people still don't feel, I don't see a lot of people feeling confident that it's going to knock Avatar out. Jake, no. you're one of them? You don't. You well, think it's yeah, going to slow down? I, well, not that it's going to slow down, but Endgame, because I would love to see Endgame topple Avatar, to be honest with you. Um, Endgame has something going against it that uh, Avatar did not, which is the summer movie season. Avatar yeah. came out in December. It was able to play all the way through January and February without really having anything uh, big to go up against it. I mean, in the matter of just the next four weeks, Endgame has Detective Pikachu. It has Godzilla. It's got a lot of other things that are going to be vying for that same audience. And, uh, I, it got a massive head start. I mean, if you remember, I think Palms. Avatar only yeah, Palms. I think Avatar only opened to like seventy million domestic. So like, yes, it got a really big start, but it's all about that keyword, which is legs. And I'm just yeah. not entirely sure that um, Endgame, because it's in the summer movie season and not uh, coming out in uh, in December, that it's going to be able to to, to approach that. Well, Was it two point seven billion? I, yeah, 2.7. And I also don't know, like this past weekend, the theater chains did 24 hour a day screenings, mm-hmm. you know, to try to fit in as many people for the to meet the need, essentially. And I don't know how long they intend to do that. Is that going to yeah. be for the next month? Like, I don't think right. so. That's going to slow See, down. A bit. And that allowed them to break the opening weekend number. I think it will beat Avatar. And, and, and here's I why. hope it does. Um, I hope you're right. 
Me too. I, I'd rather have a great movie at the top of the number one. I mean, listen, I think Avatar is... I don't like I don't like Avatar. I think Avatar's storytelling is pretty bad. I mean, considering yeah. what that filmmaker has done, Terminator 2, Abyss. I mean, Cameron is the reason why I love movies, so it pains me to say that I don't love Avatar, but I don't. Um, and anytime... I have to talk about box office, and I mentioned Avatar being the number one film of all time. It like it just doesn't feel right, and I feel like uh, Avengers Endgame, regardless of what you feel about Avengers Endgame, um, I think it it, it it makes more sense for it to be there, considering the culmination of the twenty two films, regardless of what you think about the movie. Um, no, that I being agree. said, I mean, like, I mean, it's not a massive spoiler that I am not the biggest Endgame fan in the world, but right. I think it should be number one over Avatar. Yeah, I mean, and, and for the record, and we're, we're going to get into a debate, but Jake doesn't hate Endgame, and and he just has no, 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 and, and we're going to and we're going to get into some some of those reasons today. But um, the reason why I think it's going to beat Avatar is because first of all, this film opened up. Uh, uh, Infinity War also opened in the summer, and that film hit over two billion dollars at the, worldwide at the box office. That movie had a worldwide opening of six hundred and forty million dollars. This movie had a worldwide opening of 1.2 billion, and it's still going to continue going. Now the question is, can Good it point. reach 2.7? I don't know. I I bet you it beats Titanic. That's because uh, Titanic's number two. That's what Titanic said. What 2.2? I, th- I have to look at the exact number. But Titanic but also kind of it. cheated because it had the 3D re-release. It I came know. back, right? Yeah, but. Yeah, but I will say this, but also yeah, then then you can kind of play into the fact that uh, yeah, okay. Avatar is two point seven, Titanic is two point one eight, Force Awakens is two, Infinity Wars two, and then those are the only ones four titles that are over two billion dollars right now. So this this will be and a majority Titanic. of them have Zoe Saldana. All right, real quick, yeah. uh, and then yeah, we'll move point. on to some reactions. Why don't we do a little wager here? Um, okay. Uh, uh, this is for another round of Shake Shack burgers because since that's I a, paid my debt too. By the way. <laughs> this is true, and that a is Lannister. why Sean is at Kevin's place because he lost his home because he bought all of us Shake Shack. Yeah, a Lannister Sean, and Sean O'Connell always pays his debts. <laughs> yeah, Sean went bankrupt after that meal um, because it cost so much money. Uh, no, but uh, we are. You had to hitchhike to DC. All right, so we're so so it's a yes or no question. Does the movie top Avatar, Sean? Yes, Jake. I, I hope it does, but I'm going to say no. And I'll say yes. Okay, so how that bet works, we'll let Gabe figure that out. Let's move on. Don't have a Gabe's lap. I have I no idea how that now. bet's going to work, yeah. All right, we, the, the rest of the episode largely is going to be dedicated to us telling the Anthony Russo uh, and Joe Russo story and then setting up their conversation. But before we do that, I find this fascinating in that um, we all saw Endgame. Kevin and I came out of it, guns a-blazing. Jake was not with us last week, but recorded an episode, uh, recorded a segment for the episode and was able to say that it wasn't necessarily uh, what he hoped that it was going to be. And Jake, I'll let you weigh in on that in a second. But then we all went into uh, the battle at Winterfell. And um, we've been doing some Game of Thrones talk on this podcast. And I I do believe that a lot of people who follow us on social media are also following Game of Thrones, too. So for this season, we're going to try to at least comment on how this goes. Especially from this point of view, it was funny again that Kevin and I both immediately, I I put something in the text chain right after the episode ended and I was like, am I the only one who feels that this this episode was not really that good? Um, Jake and I debated back and forth a little bit. Kevin got off the text chain altogether because he didn't even want to get into the conversation after he saw it. 
But Jake ended up loving it, and Kevin and I were both really disappointed. And I think Kevin actually dislikes it more than I do. And I just found it really interesting that each of these two massive properties, Jake was in one corner, and Kevin and I ended up being – and that's how it goes with a lot of things that we discuss. It's always like two against one somehow, but Jake, you've been – on the opposite side of the field for both of these conversations. It's been a very lonely time uh, in, in, <laughs> in my real blend family. I got to be completely honest. I sort of feel like Tom Hanks on an island by myself. And uh, it's it's been it's been a rough go. Also, too, I also not just going against the grain here in real blend, but also a sort of going against what I feel like is a majority of society out there. And it sucks when I mean, I mean, you know, I, to, to sort of touch on my feelings about in-game real fast. I mean, I, I, one of the things that you texted in our text thread was that I felt I sounded sad in last yeah. last week's podcast. I mean, a lot of times I was telling you guys when I know that I disagree with you two about a movie, I come out guns a blazing and I'm ready yeah. to fight and I, I'm ready to like cinch up my shield like Captain America <laughs> and I'm ready to do this. And honestly, I was kind of glad that I was in Napa last week because I didn't even want to do the show because right. I was so sad and I was so bummed that I didn't love it. And it was, I was almost more mad at myself because it was like, what is, because especially with everyone else's reaction, I was like, what is wrong with me that I didn't like it? And Kevin was so cool. Kevin was almost like talking me uh, off the ledge. Like, dude, it's fine. You know, you're, it's, you're, you're entitled to your opinion. It was a very, like, it was like, you guys were like very comforting during what was a very, um, I kind of a really crappy time to to be a fan for me of of the MCU because I well, was so the disappointed in myself. Was so high though. Like you, yeah. we all wanted it to meet a level, and if it didn't meet that level, I would completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Of just being like thinking about what, where did I go wrong? What did have I? Have you do? ever had that moment? Have you? Was there ever like a Dark Knight oh. Rises or something where you were just so so? Um, I was just about to give I, my example. I have often. Mine was Avatar. I will never forget walking out of Avatar when it was over and every single person was over the moon about it. And I was like, I was so disappointed considering what James Cameron has delivered to me as an audience member over the years that that's what that movie was. So how you feel about Endgame and that disappointment level of like everyone loving it but you, right? that was Avatar for me. But the difference is I feel like the tide has turned for Avatar and I don't see that happening for Endgame. But but then it was hard. But now then like I was, you're like now the you're because I felt I was the same way as you because I was in I was in London at the junket at the world premiere and I remember thinking like what did I see that you all but yeah. I, I'd argue not that there's a right side of history when it comes to movies but I'd argue that we're on the right side of history when it comes to Avatar. Um, I think I think in in ten years uh, people are still going to be tweeting me and texting me and telling me I'm an idiot. And that's the thing that we discussed on the text chain. I mean, this is it, it's it's it. I think it comes down to it's not that Jake hates it. It just didn't meet the expectations that he wanted from the, this time he has spent with the MCU. The 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 MC the Endgame is all about these twenty one films that we've experienced leading to this moment. And if it doesn't hit you on a certain level, um, then I can understand why that disappointment. Because it's not like you're just sitting down for a film that you that you think might be good and you watch it and it just you know it's it's fine. Right. It's, right. This is a, it's, there's it's, a it's, lot it's of like weight. Sitting down for Captain Marvel and being disappointed in Captain Marvel. No, yeah. there's a lot of weight here, and I think that that's a very interesting way to think about when you when you hear Jake's points and his viewpoints is that it is it's based on emotion and how much time we spent with this universe. And I think a lot of people are 
it just matters how it hits you, I guess. Well, I have to now, give, honestly, I really have to give props to you guys because, like I said, normally we have a lot of fun on this show going at each other's throats. And I think when we get into Game of Thrones, I think that's going to be a good example of that. But I, now, I that felt one, I like no for the first time. Yeah, I know. But I felt like <laughs> for the first time in nearly 70 episodes, like I'm almost getting teary eyed saying this, like this felt different. And it felt <laughs> yeah. like I felt like you guys <laughs> felt like it was different. And you guys treated it like it was different. And there was just this sort of, sort of like, <laughs> really sort of like comforting I'm telling you like I I, I it, it really like it like the last seven days have been really weird for me as such Wait, a big fan of that series I have to ask did you listen to last week's episode or can you not even listen to it I st- I was at the airport in San Francisco <laughs> and I started listening to it I, I kid yeah. you not I, I was in the, I was in the airport about to fly from San Francisco to New York and I started listening <laughs> to it and got about eight minutes in yeah. And genuinely was like so bummed, and I and, and I saw someone walk by in a Captain America shirt, and I took my AirPods out. It was, out. Kevin, it was Kevin's mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that moment was planned a week ago. That was perfectly timed. We knew. That was brilliant. I'm wearing the shirt now. I'm wearing it. She gave it to me. That's the one my mom wore. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, but I, I could see like Jake like crying in a bathroom no, no, stall. I, I, I he's like he's like very upset about it. Yeah. No, but um, but it's it, it's a fascinating thing. So Jake, you went and saw it again. Um, Sean and I yeah. both loved it. We both seen it. I've seen it twice. I think Sean's seen it twice now. Uh, we're going for a yeah. third time tonight. Um, listen, if you're if I'm ranking my MCU. This is top five for me, but I still have Winter Soldier and Infinity War in my number one and number two spots. I love Endgame. I think it's a five out of five. So you like Infinity War better? Personally, I think Infinity. I think Infinity War is a better film. But we're talking about we're talking about a range of like a point one better than the other. You know what I mean? Like like Endgame and Infinity War. But in the Olympics, that's the difference between first and second place. Right. So did it change at all for you? Uh, so w- what we're talking about me going back and seeing it a second time. One of the things I was telling the boys is is I wanted to go see it. An- I wanted to give it a few days after I saw it because I saw it at a press screening a few days before it came out. And this is even before like all the slew of reviews started coming out. And one of the things I was concerned about is that I was judging it based on the film that I wanted it to be versus the film that it was. And I think that that's a really um, important distinction when reviewing a film. And, and expectations are such a big part of, of reviewing movies. So I wanted to give it a few days. And then go back and see it again, knowing exactly what it was, and watch it based on what it was on the, on the screen in front of me versus what I thought should have happened. Um, here's what I'll tell you: the, it it both it reinforced the good and the bad for me. the The stuff that I loved, and don't get me wrong, I mean there are a lot of things in that movie that I think are among when this year is when this year ends, I think will be among the best seeing best things I've seen in any movie this year. I, I have YouTubed scenes just to, re, just to re-watch them again because they're so good. That being said, the movie for me also has a lot of what I like, kind of what sort of feel like cinematic paper cuts. Things that mm. just, just are just driving me up the freaking wall and just are driving me crazy. Mm. And it, re-watching it again, I, those things also like even drove me even more crazy the second time around. So whenever it was something that I loved... The second time around, I wanted to stand up and cheer and scream and yell and applaud even louder. But the thing, whenever a moment would come on that it was one of those moments that drove me crazy, and we'll get into this in the next episode, yeah. I would sit there and shake my head and go like, nope, still don't like that. So, yeah, so, so it, it, it reinforced my feelings, I guess. I for say. people listening, uh, the next episode, the Monday episode that we're going to be placing um, on the podcast with, with a spoiler interview from Russo's, Jake is going to go into really 
detailed discussion about those things. Um, and so Sean and I both loved it. Uh, we both gave it a five out of five. Uh, one of the cool moments today, and I know we're going to get to the Rooster Brothers. Uh, Sean, are we doing Rooster Brothers interview first or are we going to Game of Thrones first? Uh, Game of Thrones first. Okay, so uh, we'll get into the story of the Rooster Brothers, but one of the cool things about the Rooster Brothers interview today was because Sean's favorite movie of all time now is Endgame. And for the longest time that I've all I always known Sean, his favorite movie of all time has been Die Hard. And it stayed mm-hmm. Die Hard consistently for years and years and years. So today to see Sean essentially tell Anthony that and Anthony respond the way he did, and I'll let Sean get what into did he detail say? on oh, that. Oh, yeah, I, I, really, I really want to hear the story. Um, Joe was on his phone. Joe was te- in the middle of a text chain. So I basically talked to Anthony while we were waiting for the podcast to start. Or we were waiting to get our recording going. They were, it's, we lucked out in this instance. I don't know. Have we told this yet? Uh, th- we were supposed to do the podcast recording after Kevin got the Russos on his TV segment. Yes. Um, and this morning, Kevin texts me. Thankfully, I was in a car already he- heading over to a station and says, they're running early. Uh, are you almost here? And I was close. So, and this never happens. Like whenever you're trying to interview somebody, it's always running late. Um, so they got to the station at 10 and we were not supposed to, they were going to go on the air at 1030. We were going to get them at 1045 for Real Blend. They got there at 10 and they wanted to do the podcast first. So I got there a couple oh my minutes. God, thank God, thank God you got there, man. Thank God yeah, I got okay. there. If we hadn't and, gotten well, there That story stresses early. me out. If, if Sean and, wasn't there early, we would not have the last eight or nine minutes of this podcast. And, and, that, and that's why uh, an interview, because to me, and I really truly do believe in things are meant to be, um, that timing all happened, in, a, in a, my opinion, in a way that benefited us because Sean and I were so passionate about this film that we were able to actually take a deeper dive with them because they happened to be running early. And had yeah. they not, we I don't know that we would have... The stuff you're going to hear on Monday, that's the <laughs> stuff that I don't think we would have gotten. Well, and because after they finished with Kevin, a lot of people from the station wanted their pictures taken with them. And the brothers hung around and took pictures with everybody. And we would have been sitting there like totally stressing out, waiting to start the podcast. Right. Like because we would have known we were on borrowed time. So anyway, we started early. They sat down. We pr- set up where all the audio was going to be. Um, Kevin was still working out a couple of things with his news directors, getting everything set up for the TV segment. They were getting mic'd. So I was just talking to Anthony. I said, look, you know, I have to just tell you this before we get started. That Die Hard has been my go to answer, you know, for all time. Uh, McTiernan's first Die Hard. If anyone asks me what my favorite movie is and he goes, oh, that's so funny. You know, a classic. That's such a great movie. He goes, And then he started telling me, he goes, I actually just that watched that with my teenage uh, son. And it was the first R-rated movie that I let him watch. Oh, that's um, cool. And I wanted wow. that to be the first one that he saw. And I said, oh, I said, that's really funny. That's it's one of the first ones I let my son watch, too. Um, and then we went on to part two and uh, and it was way more raunchy. Like there's a lot of cursing in part two and Dyer, too. And even PJ turned to me and he was like, God, they curse a lot in this one. And I didn't even realize and he goes, oh, I'm so glad you told me that because my son is asking me which ones can we watch next. And I was going to show him, too, but I'm gl- glad to know that. I said, but wait, I brought that up for a reason. I said, I let you know that. Uh, I've changed my mind. Like it, it, your movie has replaced Die Hard, and he was like, he sat back and he was like, I, that's crazy. And then he said, you know, just to hear this is his quote. It's gonna be burned in my memory forever. He goes, just to hear that from someone like you 
uh, means the world to me. And uh, I was like, this is Anthony Russo telling me this. Dude, dude I have, I have tears. Was, I have freaking tears in my eyes hearing this story, my man. My jaw was on the, on the That's, floor. Oh, my God. On Sean, why don't we just take this opportunity now to toss to our non-spoiler interview with the Russos. Let's do and it. Then we'll, and then yeah, come out on the other thing. side, and then we'll talk Game of Thrones and get into our blend. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so this is, this is I'll, I'll let Sean introduce it. Well, Kevin and I got a chance to sit down with Joe and Anthony Russo. And as we've been saying to you guys this whole time, we're breaking up into two segments. This is the non-spoilery conversation because per their request, they really want to keep all spoilers uh, under wraps until the movie's had a second weekend so that as many people as possible can enjoy the film for what it is. So we got into some big picture MCU talk, uh, some big picture Infinity War and Endgame approach with the brothers uh, and then we'll save all of our spoilers for next week but for now here's our conversation with the directors of Endgame the non-spoiler version all right. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations to both of you. Um, thank you for joining the Real Blend podcast. Thank um, I'm you. Kevin. This is obviously Sean, and it's just an honor to have you both on. Um, when I sat down with you guys at the junket, uh, there was a moment in the interview where I asked about a specific scene where Cap and Tony say, do you trust me? I do. Mm-hmm. You made a joke that it wasn't in the movie. <laughs> I, I was just curious, without spoiling the context of it, it is in the film, but can you talk but about it? But not in that construction. Right. That handshake <laughs> is actually stolen from the... An earlier scene in the movie. Really? Yes, they don't. They don't shake hands. Right in, in the scene, sequence, they don't. Right. Right. So that's what I was getting at. Is that that's how we tend to manipulate footage to create a, a moment uh, um, and a trailer that isn't necessarily a moment from a movie. So people are watching that trailer, and again, I'm saying that's not in the movie contextually the way that it's done because that's not the repair moment. The repair moment actually happens in the movie. Uh, 45 minutes before that. Right. And so that handshake... We're going to let you get to your point about this. No, I I just wanted... (laughs) I I just want to know, like, like, you know, we were in that moment, so now your profile picture on Instagram, I believe, is your reaction to that moment. Who created that? Was that you? No, that Uh, was not me. No, I put it up. (laughs) That's all I wanted to know. That's all I wanted to know. He became a meme. I was like, all right, we're going to... We always try to embrace the, the, you know, memes and be very... uh, uh, deprecating and referential about uh, to, to fans. Right. Going into the opening weekend, let's just talk about what your expectations potentially could have been, and then where how they might have been exceeded. What, what were you guys hoping happened, and then what actually happened over opening weekend? I mean, look, like when you're when you're charged with like writing the final chapter of the book, you know, and, and executing it. You know, we our hope was that. It, with any favorite story, you always want the end to be the, the best part of the story, you know? So that was, like, really what we were hoping to do, you know? I don't know, you know, you know, even if we got anywhere close to that, you know? That, that was our aspiration, and it seems like, at least for some people on some levels, that we delivered an ending that yeah, seems satisfying. It's always about the narrative, too, of these movies in the marketplace. How did it do? Did it break a record? Did it beat the last sure. one? That stuff is really critical to the life of a movie, and, of course, we're hoping that it... We were hoping that it was going to break the international record, just because that's a story, right? So the uh, uh, international box, single weekend box office. And then you're hoping and praying that it beats the domestic, which was set by Infinity War last year. Otherwise, frankly, to some people, it looks like a failure, you know? So yeah. you have to, like, it's crazy that, it ha- that a movie like this has this kind of demands on it. But we saw international numbers coming in on Tuesday and Wednesday of opening week because it was coming from Australia and the Asian markets, from China, um, uh, Philippines, and the numbers were huge. So especially the China numbers, they were astronomical. So we started to get a good sense that, 
oh, maybe we can catch fire here and something much bigger can happen. But, but I got to be honest with you, like it's almost, I'm almost disappointed that the movie did so well because it's like <laughs> the box office story has literally dominated the conversation mm. and it's sort of la- not the most interesting part of the story. Right, <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, for me, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> story. we obviously love the movie and one of the things I find interesting is, again, this is the non-spoiler part of our conversation, is the spoiler window. And there's been a lot of people, I saw a great tweet today from Jacob Tremblay talking about the idea Idea that anybody who spoils films for somebody is a, is a, it's a form of bully. Like you're basically yeah. taking away someone's happiness by spoiling it for them, and that person is getting you know something ruined for them. As directors of somebody uh, these films, what is the proper spoiler window? I mean, in the sense of how do you want people to experience it? Like, can you talk about it in two weeks? Like, where where do you feel? I the think you have is? to you, you have to be fair about it because we are. As you know, exceedingly anti-spoiler, and I feel it for the same reason. It's bullying. It could even be sociopathic to go online or or walk out of a theater like some guy did and shout out the end of a movie while a bunch of people are standing in line waiting to go see it. And they've got 10 years of their life and their time and their emotions invested in it. It's it's a despicable thing to do. Um, But I think you have to be fair. Two weekends feels like enough time um, for everyone to get to see it. And then people should be, because you also want people to be able to talk about it. And so at a certain point, I think uh, after the second weekend, it's it's okay to start. Now that um, both parts are out, uh, talk to us about how much of Endgame did you film or, or was ready at the time when Infinity War came out and discussing where they were gonna break and, and how they were going to flow into each other now that we can sort of think about them as, as two parts and one large part. Yeah. We had shot, I would say, probably about 85% of Endgame by the time that Infinity War came out. Wow. Wow. We, the, intent, the original intention was to shoot 100% of it. But basically what happened was, so we shot Infinity War first and then we started shooting Endgame while we're editing Infinity War. And we finally got to the point where we really needed to turn all our attention to Infinity War in order to get the movie finished properly in the post-production process. So we stopped shooting earlier than we had anticipated. We're we're exhausted because they started to overlap with each other. And uh, and trying to get, I mean, just trying to make one of these movies is historic. I mean, they're, you know, these are the most expensive movies ever made and we're shooting them at the same time and we had to get one out while we're still shooting the other one. It started to get crazy. So we, we, um, we decided that we were going to hold the third act of, uh, which was the hardest part of the movie, of Endgame until the fall. Because you were locked into the date, too. It's not we, like we, you, Yeah, exactly. you are. We're yeah. hurling toward a date. And frankly, so, yeah. I think that like when you look at these, I think that we, we always were like, oh my God, never shoot back to back again. That was insane. But I don't think we would have had the same momentum oh, in between movies were they not a year apart. Right. A year is long enough to sustain a dialogue, mm-hmm. a, a collective dialogue. Two years, I think that it starts to dissipate and other things start to occupy people's focus. Yeah, and last non-spoiler question for you, um, focus, uh, focusing specifically on Infinity War, I was lucky enough to go to the press conference and uh, ask this question to Mr. Downey Jr., but not to you. I was curious from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, when you filmed the characters turning to dust in Infinity War specifically, um, how you achieve, I know that obviously there's CG, but how do you achieve that shot? Like, What do you tell the actors to do? Do they know what's going on with their character at that exact moment? And also, specifically the Spider-Man moment, just kind of having that emotional moment with 
Tony and Spider-Man in Infinity War? Just how you achieve that from a filmmaking level? Yeah, that we, I, we went through a lot of experimentation with that, to be honest with you, because it's a difficult thing to play. And it could, if you don't handle it properly, it could end up uh, unintentionally being a little silly. You know <laughs> what I mean? So you have to. So we did talk. We did rehearse with the actors quite a bit on set about how they would perform in that moment. We experimented with a few things. And by the way, that experimentation also continued into our visual effects process. We hmm. did try many different versions of what it would look like on a visual effects level uh, as, they, as they disintegrated. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a fishing expedition. Um, but basically, we sort of wanted to, you know, there, there, we were trying to focus, like always, we always try to focus on the emotional experience of the actor. You know, in the in the moment. So, and that's sort of what what were they feeling at that moment where they felt something happening to them like that that they couldn't control, they couldn't stop. Especially those characters who it was happening to after they had seen another character already dissipate. Mm. So, and, and yeah. you know, obviously pulling at your heartstrings, Cap seeing Bucky, Akoye seeing Black Panther, Tony seeing Peter. You know, these are all very emotionally charged relationships, and. Um, and, uh, you know, the Peter scene, I think we had done a take or two. We knew we wanted to save it for the last one. And we'd done a take or two where it plays quick as all the other ones. We thought, hmm. this has to ha be climactic. You know, he's got spider sense so he can feel it coming before it actually gets him. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and so, and, and we thought, wouldn't it be interesting, too, if, like, your, the, your, your own emotional or spiritual core could could hold it off for a second or two longer than someone else, right. you know, because this is a magical event. It's not, you know, this is nothing uh, that's based on uh, anything right. in the physical universe. So, uh, and then you know, we just started talking to Tom and Downey. Downey's always extremely helpful in blocking, and we started saying this isn't. It's not having the emotional impact it needs to have. Tom, what if you know you're a kid? This is scaring the shit out of you. What if this is mm. something that. You 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 don't want to have happen. You can't. You know you're, you're scared. And what would you know? You don't want to go. So what would happen? And then he started improvising. I don't want to go. And Downey, I think it it helps with the blocking of him falling into Robert and Robert laying him down on the ground. Ooh, and yeah. then so it was all. Uh, it was and, and frankly that it took about five minutes to mm. or ten minutes just to the next take. We went out and they nailed it and that was it. You know, and everybody was crying on set. And, you know, one of the cool things about that interview you just heard, obviously, you hear Joe and Anthony getting super detailed about how they did those amazing scenes and people were dusted uh, in Infinity War. And just hearing, I mean, Sean and I were just sitting there watching Joe and Anthony break down the uh, the Spider-Man, Iron Man, Infinity War moment when Spider-Man turns to dust. And just hearing them talk about the setting up of the shot uh, was absolutely amazing. All right. So, Sean, it's time to get battle ready, man. Are you ready for War this? Ready. Right. War, War ready. War so, ready. <laughs> I have no problem with uh, Jake's thoughts on Endgame, and I respect it, but he yes. is 100% wrong when it comes to Game of Thrones. So I, I, I don't know where we want to start on this, but... This is, this is a divisive uh, episode. Jake, I'm finding out that if you feel like you're in the minority on how you feel with Endgame, um, I think that there's just as many people who believe what you believe about this episode... Uh, as the people who believe what Kevin and I believe. Yes. And I think it's falling into people who have lived with the show for X amount of years versus people who, like Kevin and myself. Now, Kevin got to a certain point and then binged the rest 
I binged it all in a month and people are yelling at me saying that I didn't live with it long enough. Do you think that that's an accurate read? As Because Jake has watched the, the what it's not called the Battle at Winterfell. What's it called? The, the, it's called uh, The Long Night. A oh, long The Long Night? night? Or The yeah, Last yeah. Night? or The Long I think, I think it's I think The Long, that's right. the long yeah, Night. I think that's yeah. right. Um, Jake says it's a top five all time for him. You've watched it at least three times now, right? Yeah, I've watched it three times. I watched it, I, I the night that it aired on Sunday, I watched it had the argument with you guys, silenced your text thread, and then went back and rewatched it again. Now, did I you watch it three times yesterday. because you need to watch it that many times to actually see what's happening? Yes. That's no, why I, I wanted to try times. to convince myself Thank that my you. friends <laughs> weren't as wrong as I thought they were, <laughs> but unfortunately, I uh, I couldn't come okay. to that conclusion. All right. Convince Listen. us. What do you love about it? Is it the action or Wait. the character beats? Or it's what? funny because the things that you hate about it, I think, are amazing. Ke- yeah. Kevin, go. I- I think that Sean and I should real quick tell our sides of what we don't like about it. That way please, uh, please. Jake can defend it. Um, and I do want to say um, I was a original Game of Thrones viewer. I watched from yeah. seasons one through seasons about four and a half or five. Did you watch? But you didn't watch from season one live. Like you caught up, uh, see, right? Like, no. like, so, like oh, when sorry, we met me... Ned Stark at the four seasons, you yes. hadn't seen the show yet. So let me clarify. So season one was out. Jake and I had a, an experience with Ned Stark. Uh, where the Sean Bean ruined the uh, ending of Ned Stark's fate uh, in that moment. Ah, then I funny. went home and I bought the Blu-ray collection. So I mean, Lauren if anyone's going to ruin it for you. Lauren and I watched seasons, season one all the way through, and then we watched live two, three, four, and then some of five, and then I stopped. Um, and then so then I then I did yes I did go back and I rewatched everything because I remember seeing certain things in five that I thought I didn't see but I did so. I guess I'm not an OG original Game of Thrones viewer, but I was watching enough of it live to have been to, in my opinion, to have felt an impact of this episode. Kevin, in a nutshell, what did you dislike about the episode? Almost all of it. I couldn't see any of it. Uh, It is one of the most poorly shot episodes of television I've ever seen. Um, And I find that, Having to pause my TV three times, a 65-inch 4K, 240 hertz television, which should be broadcasting beautifully, um, I couldn't see anything. The only time the, 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 the show was even visible, at least in 4K HD or whatever HD it was, was when the Red Woman would light the fires. Then the episode would brighten up and I could see things. Other than that, everything with the dragons was blurry. The entire show looked like I was watching a 3D film without glasses. There was, it was mushy. It was, it was nasty looking. It was, it was hard to make out. I couldn't tell who was on what dragon. I couldn't tell who was fighting who. Um, And then at one point, they beautifully somehow get every character paired up with their exact person that you want for the show. Let's have Jamie and Brienne. Boom, in the corner. Let's have them fight together. Perfect. Let's get uh, Danny and Jorman. Beautiful. Boom. Perfect. And everything was puzzle-pieced, in my opinion, to serve what people wanted to see. And that being said, so it's not just the dark cinematography. It was the storytelling of that episode that I found problematic. Also, the move, the show ends on, the episode ends on a very cool note. The Theon, Arya note was awesome. I love the Arya telling him he's a good man. I love that whole scene. Or I'm sorry, Bran telling him he's a good man. I love that whole moment. That moment was awesome. And the Night King, I thought that was really cool. But see, to me, 
since it ends on such a high note, people forget how much, how awful the last 75 minutes of that episode was. And so going back, and then you might go, Kevin, oh, you, you don't really get the, the battle episodes. Okay, so my favorite episodes of the entire series, to give clarification, are Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, uh, The Battle at the Wall, I can't remember the name of the episode, um, and what, what's the other? Uh, Blackwater. All largely directed by the same guy. Exactly. Blackwater. So I don't understand what happened. Amazing episodes. Brilliant episodes. Actually, Hard Home is the best episode of that entire series. I think this episode is one of the worst of the series. And I truly... That, 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 that line... Hold I on. have to be completely honest with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not hyperbole. Right. That's how I felt. I was actually angry. I was so mad that I didn't want to talk to you guys about it because I thought that I was the only person on the planet who felt this way. And then when I went to bed and woke up the next morning and saw Sean's reaction, I said to myself, oh my God, it wasn't just me. I, I, I literally went, I went <laughs> to bed depressed. I'm like, how how is this episode that's been so built up turn out so poorly? And then all of a sudden, so this episode ends, I just don't understand how it was broadcast that way, how they, and I, listen, I get the argument. Oh my gosh, it was the fog of war. They couldn't see anything because they couldn't see anything. There was snow everywhere. Well, I don't care That's about what I that. want to say. <clears throat> that's what I want to say. Like the critique is that they, obviously if, if people don't know, there's an entire reaction series. You can go onto Cinema Plans YouTube and, and find out amazing. exactly what I thought about the episode. And also I'm getting a lot of comments because those are fun. Oh, the comments this week are not fun <laughs> at all. Um, there's a lot of critique of saying like that you can't see what's happening because they made the conscious decision to immerse you in the battle. Right. Cop out. Cop out. But I think that that's fine for a moment or two. But ultimately, yep. you're a television show. <laughs> And a TV show has viewers, yes. and I don't I don't agree. If that's the stylistic choice that that episode decided to make, then I'm going to say I didn't agree with it because if that's what they were trying to do, fine, they accomplished that, but I would have preferred to step back and see what's happening. When the dragons were flying in the sky, my TV Specifically looked, that. My TV looked like someone took a blanket and put it on top of it, and it was just a blanket <laughs> of, like, nothing. It, it, I'm not kidding yeah. you. I couldn't see, and I'm not exaggerating. I could not see anything, and, I, and I'm not, and I, I am not overselling that. That I had to stop yeah. the show three times and adjust my television. And at one point, I had to do the worst thing you could ever do with a television: is put on that <laughs> stupid motion smoothing thing that I hate because it somehow gave me a 10% or so reduction in that horrible, blurry nature of those sequences that were like essentially happening at night. Jake and Jake, you actually enjoyed this. You enjoyed this uh, very much. So, okay, here's here's what I'm going to say. Yeah, uh, this episode is the 70th episode of Game of Thrones. Yes, Kevin, if you believe that this episode <laughs> ranks in the bottom five yes. of the 70, it does. I have to question your judgment of Game of. There is no possible. It's, it's, you didn't like it. That's fine. It's bad. But you can't. It's think horrible. that this ranks in the and in, 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 if you're ranking from first to to seventieth place, yes. you think that this falls between sixty six and seventy. Yes, I would rather watch all the awful episodes in season two when when uh, Daenerys is in or Karth. five There's or five, five leading up to <laughs> episode eight, then watch this episode ever again. Jake, Jake, I'm not exaggerating when when I tell you, I couldn't actually see anything. Then how that was happening. how did I see? Every like yeah, I have no was idea. It dark? It was it dark? Yes, it was a dark episode. But I, I'm sorry, I subscribe to what you guys refer to as a cop out. I loved being immersed in this frenetic 
beautifully edited. Gordon, I there were some shots in this episode. It's funny that you talk about how poorly shot it was because mm. there were so many moments in this episode that I thought that's one of the most beautiful shots on the show. It's absolutely gorgeous. The, yeah, I know what you're the, talking about the, those, those the, wide shots. Uh, yeah, I, I mean the the shot of the lights of the Dothraki being like, that going is out. Great. That is great. Beautiful. The, did you, you guys notice it. the shot from above? The shot from above when the when the um, the Melisandre is going into King's Landing and they open the doors yeah. and look at look at the footprints stamped yep. into the snow. It looks like the Iron Throne. Yep. Like go back oh, and look really? at that. that I, I mean, notice. there are cool. there are. I mean, that's personally I, I I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. To me, my first yeah, thought yeah. was like, holy crap! It kind of has that that Iron Throne right, look right, to right, it. Right. Um, there were so many shots. The score, the score was one of the most beautifully written, perfectly placed pieces of music. We essentially saw. Three individual films during that episode. We saw this 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 stomach crunching drama at the beginning where I I was just anxious. I was I, I felt like I couldn't breathe in the first 20 minutes of this episode as we're leading into this. The second was this really cool like horror film where that like you know where where Arya's kind of going through the library. And, you know, she's kind of having to throw the book so that the, the, the whites are kind of chasing. And then the last one was just this this relentless action movie. that And just it, the, because of I felt like we were getting three different films, three different genres, I felt like it was paced beautifully. I thought each, each character – and, you know, here's the deal. One of my biggest complaints about a complaint that people have is that there weren't enough deaths. Right. And I have an issue with that because care, this is a show that has – made itself famous really by going against expectations. And normally that expectation is that someone's not going to just randomly die. For years, people have just been killed off without expectation, without without warning, unless you've read the books, obviously. And it's it shocked us and it surprised us and we didn't see it coming. And so everyone goes into this episode assuming that everyone's going to die. And once again, they do the opposite of what we think is going to happen. And for some reason, that bothers me. This has never been a show that's gone by what we thought was going to happen. And once, and, and to me, so I, I, I kind of liked that they subverted expectations and more that's people fine. survived. Like, I, I, don't, I don't need death to equate to good storytelling. I thought it was beautifully directed. I didn't have a problem seeing it. I've watched it three times. I, not just that. I've watched it three times. You guys have been in my place. You know <laughs> how much natural light pours into my home, which makes watching dark stuff sometimes difficult on my TV. I had no problem telling who was on what dragon. I thought some of the dragon sequences was like, well, there's one shot that reminded me of the Tim Burton shot in the, in the, in the uh, first Batman movie where like the, where it goes up against the, I thought it was unbelievable. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought the story choices were fantastic. I thought it makes sense that Jorah would be with Daenerys because he would be protecting her. I thought it made sense that Jamie would be with Brienne because he would probably be trying to protect her too. I didn't think there were any story choices. I want to make sense. Happen to be in the exact I, spot. Like Arya happened to be with the Hound. I, if on, we were in a battle, I'd be right next to you because I would be defending. I your agree ass. with you, but story-wise, they had them end up. Of course, Arya was with the Hound. Of course, like it was just. It was just. I mean, me, I mean, Jamie. Too, too written. It was too written. Jamie and Brienne started the battle standing right next to each other. That's fine, it but I, 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 I just feel like I, I just feel like it's I feel like it's cheap that they ended up through all that chaos in the exact spots together. It just doesn't make any that, that to me well, feels I wanna, written. Okay, I want to get here's one what I'll comment. Say. It makes as much sense having them next to each other at the end of the battle as it does having Gwyneth Paltrow at the end of Endgame. Uh oh. I, it's hard for me to critique that one. We can't she, critique I mean, that. She, 
I don't think that she should. We'll get into that next week. I don't think she should be there either. Um, I want to say one quick thing about deaths and then we'll, we'll kind of move on because we have to go through this. Um, It's not that I need deaths uh, in the story to justify, but I think that was an episode that was set up to be. I agree. This is going to be such a significant battle that in this situation, people have to die to, to convey how brutal the army of the dead is. It tried to say this is the most brutal uh, battle you're ever going to have. But but most everyone's going to survive. Let me ask you guys one question because I know we got to wrap it up. Could the yeah. next three episodes? Could what happens in the next three episodes make you look back at this episode more oh, fondly? Yeah. Yes, for and sure. Where you and go? Oh well, thing. it had it's to happen like that Endgame. way. It's not like Endgame in that this is not the end of the story, and that's why I'm still yeah. leaving the door yeah. wide open. Could I mean, this be like a Last Jedi moment where where you we hope that Episode Nine makes us look back at Last Jedi more fondly? I, I want to clear, yeah, and I, I want to clarify that I still love Game of Thrones, and I can't wait oh, yeah. to watch the. I mean, we are. This episode did feel like an ending, right? Like that was. It, it felt like, especially this weekend with Endgame and this episode hitting and the hype behind it. Um, it, there was a finality to it that was just, in my opinion, very underwhelming. And I want to say that I respect and I love Jake's passion for the episode, and I have absolutely no negativity to say to him. That's how he felt about it. I'm joking when I say he's wrong, but let I, me tell you that if we if we you and I ever go to battle, I'm gonna make sure that when the battle's over, I'm standing right next to you and I'm gonna go. See, I told you, it could totally happen. <laughs> All right. Speaking of endings, okay. Can I say? Can I say one last thing? One last thing, yes. and then we'll wrap up this episode. You guys, like, as as your friends, you have no idea how cool it was to watch what happened to you guys today. Uh, one of the coolest things about doing this business is that we all get to meet the people that have an impact on, on, on who we are and what we love. But I think sometimes the only thing cooler than it happening to us is watching it happen to people that we love and Aww. watching that happen to you guys today was, I mean, and, and a sign of like, like true friendship. I, I had no sense of, of like FOMO or anything. It was just, honestly, I woke up today genuinely excited for you guys as if it were happening to me. So I'm really psyched that today happened to you guys. And I'm, I'm really proud that uh, you guys were able to, to pull it together and make it happen for the show. Jake, awesome. thank you very much. And, and because you, you said that, I'm, I, I got to uh, ask you a very important question. Um, I, was I'm doing some, I'm t- I was doing some really important research recently. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Night King was giving interviews um, over the past press tour for... We almost <laughs> made the entire show! <laughs> Did you get, uh, and someone, some, some amazing reporter had the amazing uh, sense to ask the Night King what his favorite band of all time is. Have you guys heard about you this? You got to tighten these up. You got to tighten these up. You guys heard about this yet? What's it? What's the Night King's favorite band? Yeah, if you go back and watch the episode, he has earbuds in during the fight sequences, and he's listening to this band. So this is a this is a big deal. Yeah, you, you know about this, Sean? No, I have no idea no. who this could possibly uh, be. Uh, they're called the uh, the Naughty Naughty Bostones. Naughty Naughty Bostones. Naughty Naughty Bostones. Wow, that is a deep dive. <laughs> Into some early two thousands ska band, ska. <laughs> some, some, that's a ska reference. All right, so Sean, uh, I I'm only telling you this on our podcast because we are rushing. So Sean and I are going to DC tonight for the Endgame uh, screening. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to make an executive decision here. Uh, can we, Sean, Jake, and myself? You're not Gabe. Real, I know. I'm being Gabe. I'm being Gabe today. Can we give our real quick? Uh, Mark Ruffalo blend movies and then uh, and then end it. Yes, definitely. Jake, go first. Go. Uh, Zodiac. I think he does a really good um, 
gives an amazing performance in it and uh, does a great job of sort of representing the audience in a movie about people who uh, are obsessed beyond anything most people are ever obsessed about. I think oh. Mark Ruffalo is incredible in, in that film. Terrific. Kevin? Zodiac's my, uh, my, the best movie I think Mark Ruffalo's done. My favorite is, oddly enough, is 13 going on 30. I just think, that, I just love that movie. I know it's ridiculous. Um, that's, but that's a I, great movie. I love him in that movie. I love that. I love those types of films, like age shifts. Um, I always love Freaky Friday. I mean, I, I, there's, there's something about that type of story that makes me happy. And I just thought that Ruffalo was really great in that role. Um, now, listen, I mean, dramatically, the guy has done way more better work in regards to the overarching stories of movies. And I think Zodiac is his best movie. But overall, I think this is my favorite character. Uh, mine is Begin Again um, ooh, from, ooh. from John Carney. And uh, if you don't know John Carney, he did Sing Street and he did Sing Once. Street. And Begin Again it might be his you know third best movie uh, compared to the other two, but it's still wonderful. It's completely delightful. It's a movie that's totally based on music. Ruffalo plays this great disheveled record producer uh, who discovers uh, an amazing budding songwriter talent played by the lovely and talented Keira Knightley. Uh, the two of them have amazing chemistry. The songs in it are fantastic. Uh, if you have not seen Begin Again because you um, it really flew under the radar, please go seek it out. Uh, it is I, I'd say Zodiac is his best movie for sure, uh, but for favorite, I'm going to go with Begin Again because I just love the films of John Carney. We will post on social media what the next Blend Game is going to be. Um, I'm going to blame Gabe for not being here to keep us on point with that one. Kevin and I have to run to go see Endgame for a third time. Uh, Boys have an amazing time. Our seventh, eighth, and ninth hours uh, to the Russo Brothers' amazing, masterful creation. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, where we're going to be diving into, ugh, what a come down. We're going to have to get into things like The Hustle and Detective Pikachu. Like, what fun is that? That's, that's no good. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Jake is at at Jake's Takes. Kevin is at Kevin uh, McCarthy TV and I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Leave us a review on our iTunes page. You can go to the Real Blend Twitter account and drop us a review or you can write a nice email to realblend at cinemablend.com. All right, this has been Real Blend number 67. Um, the one that had Joe and Anthony Russo talking about uh, Avengers Endgame on our podcast. But you guys won't have to wait very long for Real Blend 68 because we are going to prep it and get it ready for Monday uh, and we will have our spoiler-filled conversation with the Russos and Jake will explain to us in specific detail the things that bother him about Endgame and Kevin and I will fight him on those. Done. Kirk! (laughs) (laughs) That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.